They got the beat, the campus beat, the campus beat. Yeah, the campus beat. Dan and Amy, a special edition of Campus Beat this morning. We have a guest. We do? Yeah. Ryan Bomberger from the Radiance Foundation. He uh, recently spoke at Wheaton College. We discussed his appearance at Wheaton College because of how surprising it was. Wheaton College, an evangelical Christian college. Yeah. Wheaton College, the home of the Billy Graham Center. Yeah. Wheaton College, the uh, home of the character contract. Smoke, drink, you shall not smoke, drink, dance, swear. Right. It was the old footloose when we were growing up. Yes. And I'm from Wheaton, so I know a little yes. bit about that, too. Uh, and uh, particularly... Thinking about uh, the March for Life this weekend, half a million people dominating all of the PHAT marches combined. Thinking about uh, this against the backdrop of the ghoulishness of not just um, our governor here, Spalding, trying to proclaim Illinois the most pro-abort state in the nation. Andrew Cuomo having one World Trade Center lit up in pink to celebrate the installation of infanticide in New York. That's what it is. I know. It's sad. Disgraceful. And here's the thing. Life is winning. The one issue on which cultural Marxists are in retreat, even as they're in full froth in New York over the last decade, abortion is down 25 percent. It doesn't mean Planned Parenthood has gone away. It doesn't mean they're not still getting taxpayer funds. It doesn't mean there aren't a lot of uh, individuals and states like new york and illinois surrendering but around the nation life is winning and it was on display this weekend in washington dc and so you think that would encourage an institution like wheaton college where the sanctity of human life from conception to natural death is supposed to be preeminent in terms of their value system that, not the experience Ryan Bomberger had at Wheaton College. Ryan Bomberger, Ryan Bomberger joins us now. Ryan, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Hey, it's great to be with you this morning. So um, uh, we have uh, one thing in common in that we were both adopted, but uh, your adoption is uh, really something. So before we get to what happened at the college, just a little bit of backstory on your story and what led you to be an activist in uh, furtherance of, of human life. Absolutely. You could say it just courses through my veins, having been adopted into a small family of 15. I have six brothers, six sisters, 10 of us were adopted. Wow. I was the first one, so obviously it went well, so they kept adopting year after Good year job. after year. Way to make it easier for your siblings. <laughs> and yeah, you know, and it's a party up in here. But, uh, you know, it's really amazing just to have a birth mom who chose to be courageous despite the horror and the violence of rape. So I'm that 1% that's used 100% of the time to justify abortion. So that's why I am particularly passionate about this. And now with my wife, Bethany, who's the co-founder of the Radiance Foundation, uh, and our four children, two of our four are adopted as well. So it's just, it's who I am. I can't not be pro-life, passionately pro-life. So um, you speak a lot about your story and about the work of the Radiance Foundation. So you're invited to Wheaton College to speak, and I would think you'd think, oh, well, this is sort of a, a home field. Um, but it didn't quite turn out that way. Not at all. In fact, it was <laughs> it was surprising. I speak at a lot of different places. I do 60 events a year around the world, um, places like Harvard, which was incredibly hostile, and Princeton University, Penn State, University of Notre Dame, the list goes on and on. 
I didn't think Wheaton would have this kind of response. So after I present a multimedia talk called Black Lives Matter in and out of the womb, six days after that, Wheaton, two Wheaton officials uh, co-wrote, approved, and sent out an email signed by three uh, student government leaders, um, and out of those five, only one person actually even attended the presentation, but it denounced my whole presentation. It said it was filled with offensive rhetoric and said that, quote, oh my goodness, students, staff, and faculty of color felt unheard, underrepresented, and unsafe on our campus, end quote. Yikes. So uh, that was with, the response. Uh, unsafe. Um, you happen to be a, a person of color, don't uh, yes, yes, yes. I'm black and white. I'm biracial. Aren't we all colors, though? Come on. Well, exactly. Truly. But I mean, but the I, I mean, I, did you experience anything like that when you were speaking at these those totalitarian reeducation camps in the Ivy League? <laughs> Not at all. In fact, even at Harvard, which was kind of an insane experience with all kinds of, you know, LGBT activists, Planned Parenthood activists, reproductive justice activists. There was not this kind of response. One, they understand that there was obviously a, a huge difference of opinion, but they never sent out a campus-wide email denouncing me because I dared to actually present a pro-life perspective. But that wasn't the case here. Sent out to 2,400 students on Wheaton campus. They denounced me. They didn't give students a link to the presentation so they could come to their own reason conclusion. It was just a denouncement of me. The, the courageous college Republicans, and I want to praise those students because they're, they're an amazing group of students. Um, but that's all they did. They denounced. It wasn't a, as the school calls it, a peer-to-peer -peer message. <laughs> is that what you call a campus-wide email? So it's just, and, and all Wheaton is not like this either. I'm not trying to typify all Wheaton like this, but the no. fact that Wheaton leadership failed to respond to this, failed to give the college Republicans any opportunity to present their side, it, it was an absolute failure in, in leadership and a well, lack of integrity. What were their points of contention with your speech that you delivered? Did they outline the, what was offensive, like break it down? No, it's because I'm black and I don't embrace the Black Lives Matter movement. There was no specific allegation. Uh, some of the students who were upset made up things that the Wheaton record um, published, things that I never said. I mean, give, I'll give you an it example. They said in a presentation that was about racism that I said that racism doesn't exist. Hmm. Anybody who could watch the recorded presentation on Facebook can see I never said racism doesn't exist. It was the whole reason for the presentation, the systemic racism of the abortion industry that was birthed in eugenic racism. So what they couldn't do was actually argue against the, the presentation itself so they just had to make up a narrative, and, and, and what, that's the shame of it all. And, and there was an effort, as I understand it, from reading about this by you to, uh, to, to have a discussion with the university administration, like the university president, senior leadership of the university, and uh, that never materialized. Why is that? Well, there was a phone conference scheduled, and shortly before that particular time, we asked to have a, one of our board members from the Radiance Foundation be on the call. It was an off-the-record call. But they refused. So at the last second, they said, we, we don't accept this unexpected change, and they canceled it. So they never followed through. So there's never been a conversation, unfortunately, with senior leadership. We, we made it a point to actually approach this with a, a Matthew 18 sort of style of, of conflict resolution. We didn't go public with any of this for over two weeks because we wanted to actually speak to leadership to, to have them understand what was so wrong about all this, and they just – never actually had a conversation with us. And so 
and, and unfortunately, the college Republicans are the ones who are dealing with this aftermath on campus. They've had their event canceled for this month. They're not allowed to have another speaker until at least March. Really? So oh. They've done nothing wrong. Uh, you know, I presented a biblically-based, a fact-driven, grace-filled presentation, and somehow they're the ones being punished, and it's it's just upside down. What what uh, what was the reaction to the students who actually attended your speech? Oh, we had so I mean, we had hundreds of emails and DMs and voicemails from students who were at the presentation praising the presentation. Uh, Wheaton parents, some of whom were actually at the presentation as well. Um, some faculty, uh, alumni, who were extremely upset by the school's reaction to this and the, the school leadership's failure to actually correct the wrong. I mean, to demonize a fellow Christian evangelical who is addressing you know, race and abortion, which has never been addressed on that campus, by the way. You've not had a speaker come to Wheaton College and actually deal with race and abortion and talk about Planned Parenthood and its history and its present devastation in the black community, where abortion rates are up to five times higher. And yet, they demonize the one person who actually gets invited to campus. It, it just, it, it's such a poor reflection on the Christian education that happens there. But it's actually, I think, emblematic of what happens on Christian campuses across the country, the embrace of the secular over the divine. Mm. I, I mean, it's stunning. I, I went to Crusader, Wheaton College Crusader basketball camp for six years growing up. The last time I was on campus at Wheaton College was to see uh, uh, C.S. Lewis play, uh, play about C.S. Lewis. And I, but we reached out, by the way, to the university administration to come on the show to address what happened as well. They chose not to do that. Of course they didn't. Uh, I would love to get an answer to the question. What do you think C.S. Lewis would have to say about uh, Ryan, Baumger, Ryan Baumberger's speech, about his organization, about his position, about life, as compared to the approach that the administration has taken to satisfy, apparently, uh, I, I'm very familiar with social justice Catholics as a Catholic, apparently social justice evangelicals on campus at Wheaton College. Well, here's, the, here's really the crux of the issue, and that is, there is such an emphasis on diversity, 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 diversity. I'm all about diversity, but God has to be first, and things have to flow from that. And so what ends up happening is they deify diversity. And that's why you would have this kind of reaction that how dare someone who's brown come to campus and, and not embrace a secular movement. My, my challenge to the students was the church should be leading on these issues of racial justice. Why do we embrace a, a deeply divisive, deeply dishonest, pro-abortion, anti-fatherhood, pro-LGBTQ movement in order to fight for racial justice? We have it backwards. The church should be leading on this. We should not be embracing a secular movement that is hostile, undeniably hostile to a Christian worldview. Would you ever approach, and that just wasn't yeah. acceptable. Would you ever approach Wheaton officials again and ask if you could speak on campus? You know, I had a great conversation actually yesterday with Ed Stetzer, who's the director of the Billy Graham Center. He obviously had some differences of opinion with me uh, on all this because I brought up the fact that Dr. George Yancey spoke on that campus with a pornographic, profane, it was the foulest speech I've hear, heard on a Christian or secular campus. And I, you know, the Raiden's Foundation posted the audio of that, which is completely unacceptable. The whole premise of his speech was that all whites are racist. All whites are racist. It was. There was nothing redeeming about that entire speech, and Ed actually agreed with that. But my, my challenge was, how in the world do you not publicly denounce Dr. Yancey, who's from Emory University, not to be confused with another Dr. Yancey, mm -hmm. Y-A-N-C-E-Y, who was a Christian apologist, an amazing man, <laughs> different people. Um, how do you not publicly denounce him 
but you will publicly denounce me. And the, the challenge was, well, it wasn't a public denouncement. I think sending out an email to about 2,500 students makes things public. And so just the difference in how they handled those things. And for and as I mentioned before, with the college Republicans, they've been trying to get the administration to send out an email campus-wide to reflect their perspective, to give a link to the presentation, and have students understand from their perspective what actually happened. But they're refusing the, the students that, that right to be able to express themselves. A student government that supposedly reflects and you know represents all students isn't representing the minority students who are the vice president, the president, you know, a Hispanic and an Asian student who I guess their minority experience doesn't matter. I, I would their perspective uh, doesn't matter. I would be fascinated to hear the response from the uh, Billy Graham Center director as to what Billy Graham might have to say about your remarks, uh, or maybe enlist Franklin Graham to see if uh, Billy Graham's name still belongs at Wheaton College. I don't know, but uh, I mean, the, the, I just I don't even understand what their argument is actually. With respect to what you say and the Radiance Foundation, I mean, you can go on their website and look at your work product and look at what you do and go on YouTube and watch the speeches you've given. Uh, so the sort of the shock of your views, which shouldn't be new to uh, people of faith and the conversation about life. I, I mean, I, I just don't even get it. Well, th this, again, is where... Uh, is there a Christian worldview, a biblically sound worldview that's being taught? And part of the reaction to this um, is because of you know, black liberation theology that seeps into these theology classes on these campuses. And Wheaton isn't the only one where this happens. And that's why you get these students who have this, this mentality, this perspective. I mean, when one of the students, Sammy Shields, one of the signers of, of the letter denouncing me, uh, he asked me after the 30-minute the Q&A, and then there was another 40 minutes of discussion, White, shouldn't whites be accountable for their corporal sin? I said, well, aren't we all sinners? Haven't we all fallen short of the glory of God? I said, I don't understand. He said, well, in the context of slavery, he said, well, in the context of slavery, what about the white abolitionists? Should they be held accountable for corporal sin? What about the, what about the, the black individuals who enabled the transatlantic slave trade? Should they be held accountable for sin? What about the freed slaves who didn't just try to rescue next of kin out of slavery, but actually owned slaves and profited from the slave trade here in America? Should they be held accountable? And so the mentality is always at us versus them. Well, and it's also so but, destructive. But also, too, um, what does this have to do with the incidence of abortion in the black community today? Uh, what is the position? You want fewer black children? I, I don't understand. You know, Dan, that wasn't even a question. And the, the post-Q&A discussion that was so hostile um, toward me, they, they didn't even raise – there wasn't even one single question about abortion. And what ends up happening with this whole issue, this whole situation, is that the real victims, the unborn black lives and the, the mothers and the fathers who are devastated by, by the destruction of abortion, they're no longer the victims. It's now the students and the staff and the faculty of color who are unsafe. They're now the victims. And that's the tragedy in all of this that it's not any longer about the destruction of those made in the image of God. It's now about this trumped-up sort of overreaction because someone has a different perspective and a different opinion than you. Oh. And, and that, to me, is the tragic part of all of Well, and, and the, the additional tragedy, if it's happening on the campus of Wheaton College, then there's almost no place that, to borrow a phrase from the left, is safe at least, you know, safe for something resembling academic freedom and the pursuit of uh, uh, intellectual advancement. He is Ryan Bomberger, 
He is the founder of the Radiance Foundation, which you should check out. And if he comes to a university near you, you should go uh, check out what he has to say as well. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. It was great to talk to you. Thanks. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. It's what Chicago is talking about. It's Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy on AM560, The Answer.